Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell and I'm your host Terry Carell. How are you guys doing? Did you miss me? I know. It's been a it's been a hot minute. It's been a while since I have uploaded a, another episode, but I just want to thank you so very much for those of you who have been my members since day 1. Thank you so very much and for those of you who happened to stumble across my podcast for the very first time. Welcome to the best community ever. I know it's been a while, but I just want to thank you so very much. I've seen your messages. I got your emails. I saw your direct messages. Um, I saw everyone going, Terry, what's going on? But, you know, for those of you who follow me online, um, I, I experienced a couple deaths back to back. And, you know, I just had to take some time for myself just to disconnect and then, you know, get my mind right to jump back in. So I just want to thank you so very much for your time and your patience. So we're back and i can't wait to introduce you to our very next guest as usual make sure that you use the hashtag redirection with tk you can also visit terrycarell.com and share your story if you think you have a an amazing story that definitely shows how your redirection or your rejection excuse me um helped you with uh redirection so you know the saying heavy is the head that wears the crown in this case, we are talking to the Miss Universe Jamaica 2020 queen, Michael Simone Williams. I've had lunch with her. I've seen her interviews. I've stalked her page. She's calm, composed, personable, intelligent, authentic, and she hopes to make a really big difference. She's not just saying it, guys. She really wants to do it. And on the surface, many of you will just see a stunner, right? A beauty queen. But if you dig a little deeper, you will see a fighter. She speaks about dealing with the unexpected death of her mom, self-discovery, and finding the inner peace as well as courage to still go for her dreams. Guys, I can't wait to talk to her. Redirection with Terry Carell starts right now in partnership with Toyota Jamaica. Life is wonderful. You want to get the most out of every minute and every mile of your life. That's why Toyota is the brand most Jamaicans drive for life. Reliable, affordable, and durable. Everything you want from a vehicle, Toyota delivers. Enjoy your life's journey with a Toyota. Toyota Jamaica. Let's go places. whether I should say your majesty I do not know if I should introduce you as queen but certainly it is a pleasure to have you hi welcome to the show hi Terry thank you so much for having me I'm very excited about this today no likewise Michael Simone Williams m-i-q-u-e-a-l hyphen s-y-m-o-n-e now mm-hmm. from one girl with a hyphenated name <laughs> Terry Carell to another before we even start to get into a serious conversation, just 
Just give me an idea of how people butcher your name. Boy, Terry, me here. Michaela, Miquel, Mikel, Mikiel, Michelan, Peter Simone, Peter Ann. Yeah, man, them just, you know what happened? You see, because they hear Michael Simone in their head, they're just any male name and a female name. They just put it together. That's me. So oh, people would look right in my face and be like, Peter Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel your pain because I get Terry Carell, Terry Ann Carell, um, Perry, Perry, Perry Ann Carell. So I totally get it. But honestly, I'm going to call you Perry from now on. Perry, listen, <laughs> but, but with a name like Michael Simone, not just how it, it rolls off the tongue, but how it is even spelled. Were you always confident and um you know did you always embrace this very unique name or was it a, a burden absolutely not i don't want to say that i hated the name but i i really didn't like to have the name when i was younger mm -hmm. because obviously you know when you're a young girl to introduce yourself as michael simone and to have all of that conversation surrounding your name and why is a man name and if your father named michael and your mother named simone <laughs> it was a lot for me as a child growing up and, you know, at the time I was like, why am I can't just name something simple? Right. Name something just nice. Yes. But growing up, I've come to really appreciate how unique the name is. And I'm so happy that I have it now. And I don't mind the conversation around it anymore. It's a nice conversation piece now, you know, yes. to have the name Michael Simone and to say, you know, this is how it came about, that kind of thing. So I'm I'm happy with it now. I must tell you, I'm very, very happy with the uniqueness of it all. No, that's beautiful. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be Terry Curran and I would not be serving my community if I didn't ask you, how did that name come about? It's a very underwhelming story. <laughs> <laughs> My mother completely made up the spelling. That's one. Made up the spelling. Completely made up the spelling. My father's name is, in fact, Michael Williams. Yes. My mother's name is not, in fact, Simone. <laughs> she, <laughs> she told me that she got the inspiration from Raven Simone and used that S-Y-M-O-N-E. And, you know, I really can't tell you why she, she got decided to put on the Michael. I guess it was for the, the want of having a unique name. Yes. And my, my heart goes after her for the spelling because I don't know where she, she gets it from either, but it came I, together very nicely. I can guarantee I you, you are, and I, and I can guarantee you that you are the one and only, but then, you know, it's just funny that you, you look back or you, or you look at where you are now. You are the reigning Miss Universe Jamaica. You are queen. And when we look at persons with certain names, you kind of say, well, with names like that, you are born to be known. You were born to be a star. I cannot see someone with a name like Michael Simone and be like, well, just basic. And so um, let me congratulate you. Uh, I know that you would have won, was it in December? Yes, it would have been in December. December. Uh, I was down there. I hosted the show and it was the very first time that I didn't have a chance to even see your faces in practice, in everything you guys were in, um, your mask. And it's funny. It was, I think, the day before uh, the show, you had put on the crown. You were joking around in the, yes. in the makeup room. And I turned to you. I think it was the day off. And I said to you, hmm, you know, it's bad luck when you put on the queen's crown because usually the girl who puts on the crown never actually wins. And I remember you going, no. You know, I was like, I wish you had told me this five seconds earlier, you think? <laughs> Before it actually touched my head. 
No, no. Um, congratulations. <laughs> I've had the opportunity to just um, to meet you, to speak with you. And I think you have such a beautiful soul and a beautiful spirit. And for me, I think what's sad about just this pandemic is that as a queen, a part of, you know, growing and self-development and even getting some experience is contact. It's courtesy calls and going to school yeah. and being invited as a guest speaker. All of these things help you to get stronger as you make your way to the international pageant. And for me, I guess one of the questions would be, you know, how does it feel to be a queen reigning during a pandemic that basically restricts access to children and other platforms that you would have wanted to strengthen um, as queen? Well, you know, I try not to take it too personally. Mm -hmm. The truth is I'm experiencing these barriers to communication and these barriers to doing what I want to do. And it's the same for all of us. So, you know, at least I don't feel so alone in the fact that I can't get to do stuff because we all are facing the issue of not being able to be social as, as much as we want to. Mm -hmm. But I am doing my best to keep in touch with people on my Instagram pages. And I've made the commitment to work with the girls at the Wortley Home for Girls in Fantastic. Constant Spring, right across from my old school, Immaculate Conception. Yes. So I've been spending a lot of time with them and they're amazing girls. It feels very, very worthwhile. I mean, even though I don't get to do as many things and make as many appearances as usual, as a usual Miss Universe Jamaica would get to do in her reign. I'm still feeling very fulfilled with all the things that I get the chance to do and all the people that I get the chance to meet. Yes, that's fantastic. So you mentioned Immaculate. So I'm going to take it back. You know, I've just kind of warmed up just yeah. persons who have not had the opportunity, uh, maybe people who may not be pageantetes, which is fine, and persons who may not have an opportunity to know who you are. That's just to give them an idea of, of who you are and what you're doing right now. I, mm. and I remember, um, you know, you saying that you wanted to use your platform and not just your platform, but you as a professional um, diving into the mental health um, arena. Um, and I just want to ask you, is this what you always <clears throat> wanted to pursue growing up? So I've always been someone who's very conscious of my mental health and the importance of it. And throughout my high school experience, I want to say one time I was in grade eight and I was convinced I was depressed. Mm -hmm. And that even opened my eyes to, you know, how important it is to take care of your mental health. And it gave me ways to cope with feelings of inadequacy and, you know, teen angst that I must have been feeling at that time. And so mental health has always been important to me. But then after the death of my mother, mm -hmm. it became even much more of an impactful thing for me to think about doing and investing my time into. And I, I don't tell people a lot, but I do suffer from anxiety. And I even have a close family member who has a mental health disorder. So it's coming at me oh, from all angles. It's you know? close. It's close it's, to home. It's, it's close to home. Okay. So it's not my advocacy of mental health is something that I arbitrarily you know picked out of a jar and said I have to have an advocacy so this is what I'm going to do this is something I'm genuinely passionate about because it affects me from all angles of my life mm -hmm. and I believe it affects so many of us from all a lot of angles of our lives and sometimes we choose not to confront them or we don't even and know it's okay to confront them correct or, or we, we don't even don't know. know correct correct and I think because mm -hmm. a part of our culture has been you know suck it up it's not that bad you know yeah we, don't we, cry right don't cry we compare traumas that trauma is not as bad as that trauma and if it's not as bad then what are you crying about or it becomes mm -hmm. when I did so much more I endured so much more so what do you have to complain about and so uh that's right. absolutely fantastic so let us go back to uh, Michael Simone growing up 
you know, was it the the mom and dad? Well, you did mention mom and dad. So you grew up in what we would call the the the, the nuclear family, right? You had mom, dad. Is that how it worked out? Well, actually, for the most part, I grew up with my mom. So my parents yeah. separated very, very early in my life, which I think is the case for so many of us. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up mostly living with my mother, but I do have a very great relationship with my father. And he was still, they co-parented very well. And very he was still nice. a, a pivotal part of my life. Nice. Are you and he's still a pivotal part of my life. Fantastic. Are you so, No, I have this joke, right? So I... I have an older brother by my mother's side. Yes. He's 13 years older than me. Wow. And I have a younger brother on my father's side who is 17 years younger than me. So you can imagine when I was growing up, I was an only child. Of course. You know? In Jamaica, they say, I, I was washed belly for my mommy. Right. So I am the, the one who, you know, and I'm her daughter because my, my her other child would, would have been a boy. Correct. So I'm the daughter that she relates to and them used to call me a handbag. We went everywhere together. So I, I got that only child experience, honestly. And then to have my little brother popping pictures from 17 years later, I'm like, no, <laughs> no sir, thank no, you. No, not happening, not happening. <laughs> not um, happening. It, it, you know, I hear you speak about your mom and uh, I get the same vibe uh, because I'm I'm close to my mom. Uh, everything that I am is my mom. And even when I entered Miss, uh, Miss Universe, when I entered Miss Jamaica World in 2005, it was my mom and I who jumped on a bus and went to Spartan Health Club on the very last day to sign in. And she was there with me. They started to call her pageant mama because not only was she there like every day just supporting me, she was also there with like the other girls as well. And so I kind of get in the vibe that you were very, um, you were very, very, you know, close to your mom. And um, when I heard that you entered Miss Universe in 2000 and was it 17? 17. I said, no, she did not. I said, I, Terry Carell, would remember that beautiful face. I would remember that young lady, of course, in 2017, Davina Bennett, who was the Afro queen. She walked away with the title. And I'm like, no, no. If I, I was there um, the night when the, the coronation <laughs> took place. And so I was saying to myself, well, how did I miss her? Um, and I was told that, you know, you entered, but then you had to withdraw. Uh, care to share why? My mother had died in April of 2017. Mm-hmm. And, you know, joining Miss Universe Jamaica was something that I always wanted to do. And so for some reason at the time, I just got the motivation to go and pursue this dream of mine. So I did. And I remember feeling so happy when I was selected as a finalist. Like, yes. And, you know, I sat down and I thought about it and I, from a mental health standpoint, I didn't think I was giving myself the time that I needed to really cope with the loss that I was facing because, you know, you, you talk about the relationship with your mother and it was very similar for me. I even I got like a little choked up when you were talking about her because I know that my mother would have been I'm really involved in this experience now. And so I just, I thought it was a bit too fresh and going through something like this that I know she would have been so happy about and so supportive and so excited. It was going to be a bit too much for me. I understand. I understand. So she never knew that you actually entered. She never knew. She didn't get a chance to see you. um, No, ma'am. She was one of the people who believed in me no matter what. And I think even though we never fully discussed me doing something like this, it's almost as if it's something that she would have known that I would be in. How hard was it for you? How old would you have been? Because you are young. 
So to deal with that trauma, how how young would you have or how old would you have been? And um, how did you cope? What were the things that you had to do to learn, unlearn, relearn in order to not just cope with life, but also going back to entering a pattern that you had to, to, to withdraw from? Oh boy, I, after my mother's death, I realized for the beginning that I was not doing a very good job of coping with it. You know, sometimes I would get into a little sense and realize, you know, don't do this because you're not emotionally ready to handle this. But at the same time, I wasn't really confronting the loss that I was facing. Were things I changing? Think things how, like, how did you know that things were not right? Is it um, what you were thinking, how you were feeling, how you were behaving, how you were interacting? Like, And this is for the benefit of persons who may be going through and feeling these changes, but not knowing what this could potentially be. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I found myself doing things that I wouldn't usually do, mm-hmm. kind of. I don't want to say self-destructive, but you know, some stuff you just have no business getting yourself into. And yeah, I, I did that. And I think I put myself in situations that would put me under great stress. And I can't tell you why, you know, I can't tell you why. But I suppose the way I, I, I was coping with this loss was to just try to do something that would completely take my mind off of it. So I really threw myself into school, threw myself into my friends. You know, I just kept trying to find things to throw myself into. Mm -hmm. And it was around the time of entering Miss Universe Jamaica in 2017 that I realized that I kept putting myself in positions that I wasn't emotionally ready to handle. Because the truth is, when I was waiting for my name to call, you know, when when they were uh, calling the the finalists finalists and handing out the golden slips, on that day, I remember jitters, you know, and I was so nervous and all the emotion that was going through me. I was like, girl, are you going to do this for the rest of the pageant run? Like, is this, you think you're emotionally ready for this? Yeah. Why don't you just give yourself some space? What do you think is going to happen if you just give yourself some space? Yeah. So I did. Did you ever feel, um, was there ever any, I mean, you're probably not going to have any regret now because I mean, years later, <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> But at that point in time, when you withdrew, um, did you feel like you were in between a rock of a heart and a hard place? Because this is something that you always wanted to do and kind of you turning your, your, your back on this, this dream, not knowing if you'll ever have that opportunity again. Like, did that also take a toll on you in terms of regret or, um, uh, you, you know, a feeling of why did I do that? Or maybe I shouldn't have, or were you absolutely resolute that your decision was a good one? I, I did have some moments of feeling regret, but for the most part, I was very happy with that decision I made because I think it was the right decision for me at the time. I, now looking back at it, I, I guess, you know, having achieved this in 2020, I always knew that I would go back to it. It wasn't a question of, you know, thinking that if I leave now, maybe I'll never get around to it because I was very resolute in deciding that, I'm not going to do it now and my reasons are valid, but we're going to do it again. Right. No, absolutely. But then I heard even after you withdrew, you found modeling or modeling found you. Right. How did that work? Because, um, and, and, and I think it's important because the, the podcast is redirection with Terry Carell and it's because, um, and Sarah, uh, Sarah Jake Roberts said it so well the other day where she said, 
um, that this disappointments and re rejections and, and everything that can possibly go wrong sometimes are there to crack us open to receive the oil and to receive the anointing. And that sometimes things don't necessarily work out the way that we envision it, but then it cracks open a new opportunity. So here it is, you've had this trauma, you try to pursue this dream of you know becoming an ambassador by way of Miss, Miss Universe Jamaica. Um, you withdraw because you tell yourself, I, I can't handle this right now. But then modeling finds you. Explain to us how, how that even worked out for you. The literal story of me becoming a model is a, a young woman from Pulse sent me a message on Instagram. And she said, you know, Pulse is having this joint search with an agency in London, Select, and I really think you should go for it. And I'm thinking to myself, I think at the time I said, oh, yeah, girl, of course, I'll think about it. Sure. <laughs> Just be polite. And, you know? And I'm saying to myself, you literally, a few months ago, because this was in December. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying a few months ago, you stepped back from Miss Universe Jamaica for the reason of, you know, being under this emotional stress and needing to take some time for yourself. So why in the world are you going to know, go pick up yourself for go-go to one agency in London and whatever? I... I, I didn't quite know why I, I felt motivated to just go and go to the rehearsals or go to the, the tryouts anyway. At the time, I suppose I was thinking that, you know, it's, you're just trying out. If you don't get it, you don't get it. And if you get it, then we will, we will have that self-discussion. But it's always good to just go for the opportunity anyway, because you never know what can happen. Yes. And it's been, at this point, it would have been like three or four months since you withdrew from Miss Universe Jamaica. So maybe you're ready for something like this and to try something like this. Just do it. And, and so I did. And what about daddy? Because you, you did say that daddy played a very pivotal role. Um, and even though mm -hmm. you probably had a very close relationship with your mom, you, you did say that, you know, you have a great relationship with your dad. Um, coming up to that point, you know, how, how was dad's involvement? And, and was he, because they say sometimes the other parent becomes overprotective and super protective. Mm -hmm. Was dad like that? Or did dad say, hey, you know. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. When I had just begun to make the decision to become a model, my father was probably the least happy person about that decision. Yeah. Because he is a man who believes in the power of schoolwork and education. Mm -hmm. And so he was just passionate about me finishing my degree at, the, at UA. I don't know how I talked him out of it, honestly. <laughs> I think at the time I was, you know, I said, well, you can go and think what you think, you know, but I'm going to do this. So, but he eventually came around like he always does. I am lucky and, and I'm blessed to the type of father who, even though he may not agree with my decisions in the beginning, he trusts me as a person to, to be able to manage myself and make the right decisions at the end of the day. Right. And so he did come around and he was willing to support me for the decision that I made. Beautiful. So you say, all right, I just go show up at the people in rehearsals. Maybe it work out for me. Maybe sure. it work out. Make we see what's going on. So you show up. Um, was there any self-talk uh, with yourself? Did you give it much thought? Were you nonchalant? Did you become anxious? Did you feel any of the anxiety that you felt for Miss Universe Jamaica's auditions? Was, or was this pretty much like, yo, Whatever. How, what, were, what were you feeling? How were you feeling? So looking back at it now, at this point in my life, I was beginning to become much more secure in myself. Nice. And so when I had taken this leap to try this modeling thing, 
I, I was confident and I said, you know, life has a funny way of being life. If this works out, great. It's meant to work out. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm sure you'll figure things out and you'll find your purpose anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, I was becoming open to the, the possibility of things not working the way I want to, but, you know, trying for things anyway and going towards my goals anyway. And so I went into that rehearsal kind of, you know, I'm, I'm confident, but whoever wins, wins. Right. Who, whoever should win, whoever they think should win, will win. But I was very happy it was me. I was waiting. I'm like, wait, with bated breath going, so you won. Okay. Ooh, so here it is. You get this opportunity. Um, and for many of us, when we get this opportunity, because remember the, 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 the attitude before is kind of like, well, if you get it, you get it. But now you get it. And sometimes we get the opportunity and we really don't know what to do with it. We don't know where to start. So for those persons who might be listening or who might have just found themselves in a new opportunity, what was it like for you? Um, how old would you have been at this time? At the time I was 20. 20, young, young. You now get the opportunity to be this model. How did you now transition into what I think is one of the most demanding industries in the world? So my philosophy since around the time of my mother's death, I believe, was just to tackle things one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I couldn't sit here and say that sometimes I didn't feel like the modeling world was very imposing and it was daunting to look at that, to see all these other girls who have made it and who I want to, to be like or be amongst. But I, I was committed to taking it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Because even though I was selected for this opportunity, you never know what will happen and if I will be successful when I get to the market. Correct. So I, I was very gentle with myself. And, you know, I, I was still telling myself, if it should happen, it will happen. You know, just, just be focused, be secure in yourself and everything will work out. And, and so what is it like where you are telling yourself, you know, step by step, brick by brick, give yourself grace, don't be too hard on yourself, but then you know that there's still demands where you have to perform, you know, you're representing um, uh, Pulse, you, you know, you have to get booked, like I understand when you go to these places, like you, you have to be booked, and you're still young, and you're inexperienced, maybe in comparison to many of these other girls who've had the opportunity um, to, to, to do these things. Uh, now that you look back, what was the, what was the hardest part of it? Uh, what was the biggest lesson that you learned? So what was the hardest um, experience maybe within the industry, but what was the biggest lesson that you learned? So guys, I'm a big crybaby. I I want to tell you, when I first went to London, it was so hard because I was away from home. Mm-hmm. And the time difference is like six hours and seven hours when they're in daylight saving. So it's... It's, it felt almost impossible to connect with people back home as regularly as I used to. I mean, people that I would talk to every minute of every day, right. you end up talking to them for only three hours out of the day. And so it was very hard being away from people and having to, to form kind of a new life, having to meet new people to speak to and having to make new friends. And I was still a bit emotionally fresh, but it was a really great learning experience because in terms of what I learned, I really learned to find joy in myself Ooh. when I was younger. Oh, that's a big speech. Hold on a second here. You Girl. learn to find joy in yourself. 
Speak on it, Queen. Speak on it. When I was younger, I thought I was an extrovert. And I used to tell my mommy that I feel energized when I go to football matches and everyone's happy and, you know, I go to parties and we're all having a great time. But tonight, I have a great time. I can't go anywhere by, by myself. That's unheard of. I won't do it. And when I got to London, I learned how I learned to really love myself and appreciate the person that I am. And that has made my experience, not just in modeling, but as an adult or as a young adult, from that moment on, so much more worthwhile. Hmm. Because, and boy, Terry, I can't explain the feeling. It's like, if you, if you know it, you know it. Knowing, having that relationship with yourself. Peace. Where you're, yeah, you're, you are your friend, you know? So I, I learned to really lean on myself and trust my intuition and be okay hanging out just by myself. I can't tell you how many times I went to the movie theater by myself and went to dinner by myself and had a ball, girl. Let, let me tell you something. As somebody who believes in dating yourself, I am one of the advocates for dating yourself, <laughs> treating yourself, taking out yourself. And I tell people, me, myself, and I, we have a ball wherever, tell me about it. wherever we go. But it, it's funny you should say that because we're in a world, especially with social media, and you are a young adult, um, and you have an amazing platform where you will be a point of reference for many girls and young women for years to come. And there is this pressure that we have to always be connected, always on, always braffing, always perfect, always available, always accessible. And when we're not, mm -hmm. when we're not, we're lost. And, and so people feel as if they need people in order to be happy and that's not taking away from the fact that we understand connection is important is important connection and contact with people are important but what you just said really brings to light of how important it is for us to find that peace within ourselves and to say we're okay we are okay if we have company oh it's just a cherry on the on the on the, on the ice cream but it's okay to to love ourselves and i think that's absolutely, absolutely. one of the takeaways that you share you know for us as individuals, you, as in the, the you, the proverbial you, you will be the one person you can't shake or leave. You know, you can hang out with your friends and then you can, when you're ready to leave, when you're tired, you can say, okay, bye guys. You can't leave yourself behind. Hmm. So you have to really have a relationship with yourself where you're comfortable with yourself. Hmm. And I mean, that it's, it's something that you, you won't know unless you really do the soul searching and you really take time to, as you said, Terry, date yourself mm -hmm. and be by yourself and really explore what it is that you like and the things that interest you in the space of just you when you're not influenced by other people or when you're not focusing on awesome. how other people might think if you say this or feel this or do this. You know, and about social media, many people might know that social media isn't isn't my best thing. Yeah, I think you're just not getting growing up there at posting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really trying. I'm so happy that you've seen that. I still see. <laughs> so I growing up too, I was I was never good at social media because I was always someone who rather to get immersed in an experience. Mm -hmm. So when I used to go out with my friends or, or you go to a party. And the party not even done yet. And you see people posting these gorgeous pictures of, you know, their swimsuits or their outfits at the party. Listen, you know, Terry, me would have dressed up like onion pan chicken food, so, you know, look good, you know, and just decide or forget or take some pictures and don't like them. 
So social media was an issue for me. And I think it's surrounding the idea of perfection that social media portrays, which is why that's one of my, one of my bigger talking points as well, because social media does make us feel like we have to be perfect. And when we don't match up to this idea of what perfection is, we feel inadequate and we don't want to share ourselves. And even though social media does have negative, it's powerful in that we get the chance to really connect with people and show them who we are and meet new people. I mean, you can meet people all over the world, really showcase yourself and your brand on a platform. And so your voice. That's, that's something I'm learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and amplify your voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you think that the... The, the reason or part of the reason why you were able to find that peace, even as you're going to London, is because of the peace you had to find within yourself to continue without your mom? Did that have anything to do um, with being able to say, I'm, I will be okay even with myself? Do you think that was part of the reason? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, when my mother was alive, my mother is a woman who is strong and she was my protector. Mm-hmm. She would be the person who would, who would defend me if, you know, something was off or if someone was making me feel uncomfortable. She would be the person to push me in a certain direction and say, you know, this is happening and you'd be a good fit. You should do it. And all of a sudden after she died, I found myself having to be that person for myself. And... I think I've done a really good job at it. I do. I think that's a, that's a big part of my redirection, having to know, be a person, be, be more of a complete adult. I don't even want to say a complete adult, but now having to, to round myself out and become so much more mature to handle life. This was something that drastically changed my life and it, it made me feel like I didn't have the luxury of being a child anymore. Yeah. So... I, I trajectory my mother was putting me on and the person that she believed I was or believes I am. Mm-hmm. I had a responsibility to, to be that person for myself and not just depend on my mother to, to push me or to believe in me. I had to believe in myself and push myself and get myself in the right opportunities. She sounds, she sounds like a tremendous woman. Um, I think what was interesting, and I did not want to cut it, I didn't want to cut while you were speaking, is that you spoke about her in the present tense. You said your mommy is, you said she is a strong person. And I think, um, you know, it's just so um, sad sometimes how some redirections take place. But when I, when I have the opportunity to see you on screen and I see you light up when you speak about her. And I think when you, when you recall the connection and the, just the seeds she was able to sow in you from early um, that even though she was not able to see the fruits, I know, I, I and and I, I don't want to, I don't want to cry, but it's just beautiful. No, I think, um, I think as you rightfully said, you know, you think you did yourself, you did, you did well, and I think if she was here, she would be pleased to see the um, the amazing young lady. Um, you are and the fact that um, because of what you have experienced, you're using that now to help inspire others. You know, and so and so even as you went 
to um, to London and you're, you know, you're doing the model. I mean, I've seen your photos. It was absolutely gorgeous. At what point in time did you say, okay, you know what? It's time for me to come home or, you know what? You know, this was a good thing. I tried it out. I liked it, but you know what? I think there's something more or something different to transition to. What made you come to uh, that realization if that took place? So... When I had decided to come home from modeling, at the time, Miss Universe Jamaica wasn't on my mind. I knew it was something that I had, that I wanted to do, but I hadn't decided when, and I still hadn't decided to do it at the time. But I, I was modeling for a year and a half. And interestingly enough, as a model, New York is one of the biggest markets, and it's that market that you want to get to as a model. And I had literally just got to New York in the January and for some reason, I came home one June, that June of 2019, and I said, you know, I'm not going back. I'm going to finish my degree. I just, I just need to finish my degree. Too much time is, is passing. When I had started modeling, I, I wasn't really so sure of how exactly it would work. Right. But I somehow thought that, you know, the degree would come into play. I don't know, online or something. What look you know, for you? you know? What look you? Know? So then I came home in, in 2019 and I, I said, no, I'm going to finish this. I don't want too much time to pass. This is very important for me to finish. I'm just going to finish it. Wow. And this degree would have been in? Marketing. In marketing. In marketing. So you came home and you decided to commit to it. Mm-hmm. With a minor- I only had a year and a half left with a minor in psychology. In a minor in psychology. So you only had a year and a half to complete your degree. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I said a year and a half is a year and a half is no time. You know, time, time goes fast. I've been modeling for a year and a half. I think that's what really got me in a Terry. Yes. I said, I've been modeling for a year and a half. And look what would have done my degree if I just did. Yes. So I said, let's just finish your degree. It's only a year and a half. And modeling is not running away. Because at this time, even though I, I, I wasn't the big household name that I was really dreaming to be, I had cemented myself in a certain way in the market. So at least I had agencies who would still look out for me. And I said, all right, well, I've done enough to, to build a groundwork, a foundation. It's time to finish school now. Wow. Did you love modeling? And then in that same... Before you jump, did you I did. Did you... Because sometimes we, we, we transition. For me, I got, I got blasted with vet med, right? I couldn't get to do it. And then I ended up stumbling into other jobs that I didn't care about. I, I was not in love with them but I grew to appreciate them. I think media is the one that I found that I absolutely love. The other jobs, I didn't necessarily grow to love, but I, I grew to appreciate on many different levels. So with modeling, did you love it or did you just grow to appreciate this as a part of you know, your journey? I always wanted to be a model as a child. I used to watch America's Next Top Model and say, yeah, man, that's me. I'm going to be like Tara Banks, you know? So I, modeling was something that I was always interested in doing. Of course, once I got into the industry, I realized that from the outside looking in, it, it looks much different. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was a fulfilling experience. It had its ups and downs. But I, I got so much out of the year and a half that I was modeling because I got the opportunity to travel. And, you know, it was the first time I was going to Paris and places like that. So I got the opportunity to travel and try Parisian food and meet French people and meet people in London. Do you know they don't say we? They don't say we. 
We they say where where yeah I've heard the way but no listen if we go anywhere and say where what people think it's part of your talk where y'all go <laughs> go anywhere in the world and talk about where so where. you know say so one time I was I'm telling you one time I in Paris I did French in high school yeah. right and let me tell you now I did French up to Cape level two basically the French you learn in high school. Is much different from the French that France speaks. Okay, so I get to to Paris and I realize I don't know nothing, nothing at all. And I started picking up, you know, some little phrases. You know, they'd say "oh, bisou, bisou," and you know, they'd say "where" and mm-hmm. "pad problem," meaning no problem, that kind of stuff. So I pick them up and I have them, and you know, every once in a while I just throw it into conversation with like my agents and stuff, you know, just to keep them fresh. In Connection, mind. yeah, man. And one time, you know, I was trying to assimilate myself as much as possible. So I, it was actually when I did fittings for Valentino, and I was speaking to the casting director, and she asked me a question in French, and my French, my understanding in French is better than my speaking ability. Uh-huh. I can pick out the words and make the sentence. Correct. So she said something to me and I was like, we oui, had problem. And she said, and then, you know, she said, okay, this girl speaks French. Let me just, so she was like, oh, <laughs> she started to roll the French. Yeah, girl, you know, and I was just looking at her like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> May I interject? I know nothing that you just said. But it's so amazing. Modeling, you know, as I said, it really, it showed me a new side of life. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because people like casting directors who work in London, New York, Milan, and Paris, they, many of them know all three languages. They know the English, they know French, they know Italian. And it's just so interesting to see them switch between these languages. And so learning French and Italian is, is on my bucket list. I can't say that I'm willing to go back to school to do it, but maybe I'll just, as I said, try assimilating myself. Right. Um, And that's a very good point. eh? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me jump right in and say that that's a very, very good point. Um, I studied vet med in Cuba and Spanish Mm -hmm. was, I never did Spanish uh, at CXCs and and, and certainly not at, we call it A-levels. I don't know what you young people calling it Cape for. It's (laughs) A-levels. And That's so, how I feel about GSAT, okay? What's right? And so I, I got over there and I didn't care about the Spanish. It's, it's, the, it's the medicine that I wanted to, to learn. But in mm-hmm. order to learn the career, you had to learn the language. Everything was in Spanish. The books were in Spanish. The classes in Spanish. Oh, no. The were in Spanish. So you had to go through Spanish in order to pursue your career. And it's interesting that when I came home and I was not allowed to pursue vet med because they don't accredit students who study veterinary medicine in Cuba, I was left with a language that I didn't care about. It was not, it didn't mean anything to me. It was a means to an end. <laughs> but years later, what would happen is I would host an event. I understood that there were a lot of Spanish speakers there. And so for the very first time in a very public platform, I decided to speak Spanish. It just rolled off my, my tongue. And I remember the entire place going dead quiet everyone applauded and i saw people say will you speak spanish and i'm like yeah and since then i've gotten a lot of jobs because i speak another language so you being there um and for persons who might be listening youngsters who might be listening um what's your advice based on what you experienced and what you witnessed about being more than just you know an english speaker but being able to pick up and use a language 
So when you think about having new experiences, it's always good to learn another language. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you'll hear that English speakers are complacent yes. because English is such a popular language. But at the end of the day, knowing only one language almost literally blocks you from being able to communicate with so many different people and being able to experience so many different cultures. And you'll find, like in your case, it, it may block you from opportunities that you didn't even know exist. Absolutely. They said, because having a language is relevant in almost any field. I want to say almost just in case somebody come up with like a one field. But <laughs> listen, almost any field, having another language can be so useful to you and can really push you over the top in what you're, you're into. So I am even in modeling at DC, casting directors knowing other languages is good for them. And for me as a model, if I had known French and Italian, I would have been able to communicate with, you know, other people and other models who only know a specific language. I remember being on a shoot in Paris with a young girl mm -hmm, and this young girl only spoke French and I only spoke English. And I'm a very friendly person. So I really wanted to, you know, reach out to her and be friends with her and say, but what made it tell her? I said, where? And what problem? Where? 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 problem? problem? No, that's fantastic advice. So you come home and you say, I'm going to finish up my marketing. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and you do. Mm-hmm. Was that difficult yeah. for you? Yeah. I would find that I have a passion for learning. Yes. So it wasn't difficult for me. I, I, was, I was actually very happy to be back in school. I was one, I'm always one of those kids who, you know, somewhere near the end of summer, you start getting excited for school. So you wrap all your books and you head up all your pages, <laughs> wash your pencil case, put all the pencils in, you know, your press your uniform from August, school of September. I'm school, polishing August your shoes. 5th, August 5th, you are polished shoes. <laughs> yeah, that was me. So I, I was very excited to get back into school. And believe me, I did the same amount of effort. I bought a new school bag buy the exercise books i was very excited to get back into it so even when it got challenging you know with finals and that kind of thing i it almost felt like a new experience to me i was experiencing university all over again and so i was i was happy nice but then but then you minor in psychology and i just find it amazing that it connects now with the fact that you have taken up uh mental health as uh you know being an advocate for mental health mm-hmm. so it, so as you completed marketing but then we look at um, mental health. When did you realize that your love, and I'm not saying that your love for marketing doesn't exist, but when did you realize that the love for mental health really took the fore? You know, Terry, as I said, I've always been someone who was aware of the importance of mental health. Mm-hmm. But you are so right in saying that my psychology minor really cemented that. Because the type of things that I learned in psychology really, really helped me to understand, you know, how things that happen in our childhood affect our adulthood. And that's why I'm passionate about not just mental health, but mental health of children. Mm-hmm. Because you'd be surprised how just one experience can paint a different path for a child and how, how you know, one experience of validation or one experience of love or hate can affect how a child moves into adulthood and tackles their future. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the courses that really cemented the importance of childhood for me because, you know, I think as a child, my mother gave me all, almost, if not all of the tools I needed 
as an adult? I mean, I've filled in the blanks because I think, especially in Jamaican society, you know, mental health is not really at the forefront of telling people to be mindful of and right. telling children to cope with. I mean, we have guidance counseling sessions, but I don't think as children, we took it ser- as seriously as we needed to. And I don't think we, we were told how seriously we needed to take it. Yes. So I, but looking back still, I, I think my mother gave me a lot of tools to tackle adulthood in terms of being resilient and, you know, approaching things head on, tackling things one day at a time. And so that's, those are things that have really helped me mental health wise. Even when I was coping with her death, tackling things one day at a time was one of the best things that I did throughout my period of grieving. That by the way, never ends. Yes. You think it ends? I would be I would be speaking to you, Terry, perfectly right now about it and I'm good. Yes. And then tomorrow you ask me the same question and I am a pool of tears. Yes. But I I still feel like I, I got the used to tackle adulthood and to tackle my mental health, especially through that eighth grade period. When I was in eighth grade and I was going through this period where I felt like I was depressed, it also gave me a lot of information on how to manage myself and what was important to me in terms of coping and dealing with stress. But I know that other people are not as fortunate. I mean, I was telling you that my mother never, ever made me feel like she didn't believe in me. She was always, she was someone who... And I don't even know because it's not like you will always, you know your child's potential as soon as they're born. Correct. But for some reason, she believed in the person that I was and the person that I could be. And she never, ever made me feel like I couldn't do something. And she declared and that, you. You know? And I, I, as I said, I know that other people don't have these experiences and they're not as fortunate enough to have necessarily parents in their lives that give them this type of support and that's why it's so important to me as an adult to impact as many children as I can in this type of positive way because I know that mm -hmm, even one person even one person looking at you and telling you that they believe in you and truly giving you that support can completely change your trajectory Hmm. and I, I believe that emphatically which is why I'm here and which is why I work with the girls at Wortley because, you know, they're, they, they have all these dreams for the future and someone be, I tell you, man, virologist that, you know, a girl told me that she wants to be an astronaut, she wants to do something in aeronautics, that kind of thing. And sometimes people will hear stuff like that and, and tell a child, oh, that's impossible. Yeah. You know, because that's something so, out so of far out of their mind. Correct. Yeah. You know, you're like, all right, I could understand doctor, but virologist, Yes. You know what I mean? And why did and, you choose Workley Home? Why, why did you, I mean, we have so many different homes um, spread across Jamaica, uh, so many different organizations that um, seek to help youngsters, girls, um, sometimes it's children. What made you decide that this would be your adoption center, basically? Well, Workley Home is very close to my school, my old school, Immaculate. And Workley home is also has also partnered several times with Miss Universe Jamaica before 
And, you know, before my mother died, I lived in that vicinity. I just felt like, you know, all these things, is, is that time? Is that time, girl? This is it. This is the place. And I really love the idea of getting to mentor young women specifically, because I know sometimes too, society might tell us specifically, like, you know, this big dream that you have, put it down. That's, yes. you know? And I, one of the, one of the things that I consider most important is not necessarily donating to the home or, you know, baking with the girls or anything like that. One of the things I consider most important in terms of my presence there is to validate them mm-hmm. and to let them know that you see the aeronautics, that the aeronautical engineer that you want to be, the astronaut that you want to be, the virologist that you want to be. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Just go, do Amen. it. Amen. Do it. Amen. So you realize that your minor in psychology, although it was just a minor at the time, would play a huge role in terms of you becoming this 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 older wiser adult you know making your way through life through life and so mm-hmm. you finish marketing yeah you said you were going to do it 2020 rolls around and you say in the middle of a pandemic because i use a challenge i'm going to enter this <laughs> university maker why why at that point in time um what was the trigger if there was a trigger um, for you to, to, to now pick back up the mantle that you left in 2017? So I, it's as if I got a lot of prompts mm. to, to, to rejoin Miss Universe Jamaica. At the beginning of 2020, I started really considering it. I saw their, I saw their, their flyer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, join Miss Universe Jamaica, enter now, press this link. I saw that and I said, mm, you know, I'm here in Jamaica, I'm doing my, my degree. I wonder if this is a good idea for me. I might, I might consider it. And then Terry, as I said, I'm not a social media. I, I'm not going to say that. I wasn't a social media person before. Yes. You can't say nothing or you have to, you know, you have to speak it into being, absolutely. Right. So I, I wasn't so big on social media before, but for some reason, I decided to do an ask me thing on Instagram. And... Someone who I didn't know very closely sent me a message in the Ask Me thing and said, you know, oh, you're so beautiful. Why don't you join Miss Universe Jamaica? So I shared it to my close friends and I said, you know, would you look at that? Hmm, I'm thinking, I'm considering it. And in Terry, all of a sudden, when I look in the Ask column to see who is, you know, the questions that are coming up, about five, six different people saying, why don't you join Miss Universe Jamaica. You should be Miss Universe Jamaica. I think you... Those are the prompts. I didn't figure it out, you know. Because at the end of the day, it turned out that he asked all of his friends to do this. And, you know, <laughs> said, go on this girl page and tell her, say, yes. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it really was a prompt for me at the time to to keep seeing it. and Because, you know, the first time I got the message, I right, asked... You dismiss it. All right, cool. Yeah. Because I'm making this decision based on if I want to do it. So whether or not you think I should do it, that's okay, cool. But you know, I kept getting the I kept getting the the questions and I'm it made me think and consider it more and more and more. And it's the universe. And I tell people, you know, sometimes we don't realize that we're made for something, or sometimes we don't realize we're built for something or that we're perfect for something. And I've told persons a lot of the time we're confused about what we need to do or where we need to go. And a lot of the times, if you listen, if you stop and listen, you will realize in the space, there've been people who've told you, we think you should try media. 
Mm-hmm. You think you should try media, and each time somebody said you should, we should, you should try media. I said, ah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but it was the prompt, absolutely, that made me go. Okay, so sometimes there are, I believe, helpers that are sprinkled along our journey who help to mm-hmm. direct us on our trajectory. So here it is, person say, Miss Universe Jamaica, give it a try. Mm, absolutely. And that, as you said, is what really made me start to think. It's like every single time a new person said it to me in the ask column, I thought more about it and considered it more. And so I remember having a chat with myself once. And guys, don't judge me, okay? <laughs> but, you know, I was, I'm sleeping with myself and I'm like, so, well, are you going to do it? You think you're ready? You think this is a year? And I said, you know, it's the middle of a pandemic and... I, I don't know if no is the right time. And I'm thinking to myself, say, really, they make a pandemic stop you. And so what? <laughs> I'm, listen- I'm just listening to you and picturing you have that self-talk with yourself because our minds try to talk us out of a lot of things. And if we're not mm. strong enough, we will allow it to remove mm. us from our opportunities. And so the fact that your mind was able to say, yeah, but you really going to make a pandemic stop you? That's mm-hmm. that's remarkable, and I suppose you listened to that man, that 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 talk instead Absolutely. of absolutely. And then you know, from that moment on, I decided around in maybe July, August, mm-hmm. firmly that I'm going to do this, and pandemic or not, because it don't look like it's going to cool down for now. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're going to do this. How do you handle? Uh, competition and comparison especially I mean you would have experienced it as a model even though you are friendly and your personality is to make friends and connect Um, you go into a space which is very similar in terms of you being judged on physical physique um, as well as other things but how do you deal with competition and what advice do you have for other young ladies who might be looking to enter not just pageants but going to other spaces where you will undoubtedly be judged and compared what did you do to just stay in your lane and to stay focused and what advice do you have for others okay so two things and i hope i remember them because the first one might be a little long (laughs) no problem so i i find that i feel most self-conscious in a situation like that or in a competition when i feel like i'm unprepared Mm -hmm. and my modeling experience really gave that to me because you know there are lots of requirements to being a model and when I felt like I didn't match up to the, the, the body standard or, you know, whatever that I needed to match up to at the time, that's when I would enter a casting room and I would be flooded with fear and anxiety and you name it, I have it. I just, I don't want to be, be here, you know? And I feel so daunted by all of these people here. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, but she, she looked good and she have perfect and, you know, she's the right size, whatever, that kind of thing, you know? So... I, I brought that thought process into my Miss Universe journey and I'm bringing that thought process into the big competition. Mm. As long as I am prepared, and that's my advice, as long as you are prepared and you've done the groundwork that you need to do and you've earned your space in that room and you feel confident in the work that you have put in, don't make nobody make you feel, you know? Don't, don't, don't let the presence of other people make you feel like, you don't belong in this room that you belong in hmm. because you are prepared and you have your stuff. You've been rehearsing. You've been working out. You've been doing whatever you need to do to be in this room. You've been practicing your speech. 
so you are prepared. And at the end of the day, somebody must win. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. But as long as you are prepared and you know you gave it your all, you will come out of that experience feeling positive. Or yeah. at least somewhere down the line, you will feel grateful for the experience. because, And you won't look back and say, oh my, you know, if I'd only done this, then this could have been that and then I wouldn't have to. As long as you are prepared, you can feel secure in yourself in a room full of thousands of people who are your competition because you know that you have your own personal spin on your preparation. You not only have your preparation, but you have you. Nobody else has you. Nobody else is you. And you've claimed it and you own it. You step in it. You own it. It's yours. And no one can do you like you, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's one of two, though. You said preparation. So what's the second one? You say, I forget, though. Please don't, no, don't do that. You're too young. Listen, listen, we had lunch and you, listen, I tell you, you know, you need to be taking the vitamin B12, you know, because you said that there are two things that you tell yourself or that you practice or that you would advise others in terms of when it comes to comparison and competition. How do you focus? You said preparation is one. What's the second one? I believe, I believe the other thing is, is, is very much connected to preparation. It's just being secure in yourself. And that's the thing. It's, it's being secure in the you, in the package that you have to offer. Because no one else is you. No one else can be you. When, when we're doing pageantry, if someone wants to go into pageantry, you will see other people with spins and turns that you don't know most. But you have your own spins and turns that someone else might look at and say, oh, wow. You know, I mean, you you are you and no one else can replace that value. You are valuable. So even if you all have the exact same training, the exact same spins and curls, someone will still win for being them. Mm-hmm. I had asked you because I had the wonderful privilege of, of having lunch with you. And I had asked you, what is one of the biggest um, things that have changed within you as a person along this journey? You know, you were able to win the title. You are now getting ready to represent Jamaica in... A month or so. I think it's in, I think May 6th. Is it? Yeah. It's May 6th. May 16th. May 16th. Right. You're, so you are basically wrapping up um, your, your preparation before you go and you compete against the most beautiful women in the world. The competition is fierce. And I remember asking you, what is the one thing you think has changed within you as a person? Can you remember the answer? Can you remember? What no, you, you tell me. <laughs> it might be different. <laughs> What you said was um, you have learned to take things in strides and to be more flexible, to understand that you do not control everything. Do you remember that? Absolutely. So explain to the viewers where you're coming from versus where you are now and how important it is, not just going into Miss Universe, but just stepping into life. Okay, so... You know, that, that, that concept of not being able to control everything is so powerful because sometimes we get overwhelmed and we get flustered when things don't go the way we imagine it to go or the way we plan for it to go. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the biggest takeaways from my Miss Universe, even my Miss Universe Jamaica experience. Because Terry, as I, as I told you, one away, I had this, this idea of what I wanted to say for my final answer and it didn't go the way I had planned it. And, you know, in that moment, I learned the value of just getting up and, and brushing it off and continuing anyways. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember at one point in my head, I was thinking, you should just stop talking now, like you're doing it. 
And I said, no, finish your thoughts. Just just brush it off. Finish your thoughts and, and end it there, you know? Don't just... And that's my thing. Don't, don't give up or don't feel... Defeated. Don't feel defeated. Thank you. Don't feel defeated when things don't work out the way you want them to work out because things have a way of working out anyways. Mm. And here I am as a, a prime example. Yes, even though and in your, I, your answer was not perfect, it could have been a lot worse if you had allowed yourself to become flustered and to just lose it. Absolutely. And might I say that even though I thought that my answer wasn't good, obviously other people thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's also an interesting thing in terms of beating up on yourself and saying that, oh, you know, this wasn't good and that kind of stuff. Preparation and, and confidence will go a long way in terms of being resilient in situations like that. Absolutely. What do you look forward to most heading to? Where is it? Where is it um, going to be? in Florida, Hollywood, Florida. Florida. There you go. What are you looking forward to uh, most uh, when you land, when you touch down, as we would say, touch down to compete at uh, Miss Universe? What are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to meeting the contestants. I'm looking forward to, you know, forming a relationship and building a sisterhood. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping to come out of it with an experience like the one you talked to me about, Terry, at lunch. You know, when you told me about your relationship with the other girls and how you had fun and how, you know, this girl is still close with you to this day. I'm, I'm looking forward to having that relationship. I, and I don't know if it's a pie in the sky belief, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to five, ten years down the line saying, oh, you know, I'm going to this country. I'm going to call my friend from Mexico. Me and her were in, you know, I'm going to call my friend from Singapore. I'm going to call my friend from the Bahamas. That's what I'm looking forward to, you know, building that sisterhood and having these friends. And, you know, these women are women who are committed to changing their communities. They are change makers. They are people who are driven and view the world in a similar way that I do and know the power of giving back and you know, have a passion for the community and building their community. And so we're of like minds already is, you know, we, it's almost Absolutely. like a, yeah, a conference of women empowerment, you know, where it's like a dating app. We're already kind of matched. You see? <laughs> I love it. I love so it. we have these similar personalities. I'm thinking it should, yeah, you know, it should really work out. I must find, you know, a solid two or three friends to walk out to the competition with. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Meeting someone and saying, this is my friend from May 16th. I love it. And if you had one minute to describe Jamaica, what would you say? Jamaica is a beautiful country and not just for our geography, because let me tell you, we have some gorgeous beaches, gorgeous caves. You really do. But Jamaica, I think it's beautiful because of the people. We are a resilient people and we are hardworking people. And we really do put passion and flavor into every single thing that we do. We're committed to being this effervescent, bubbly change makers of the world and we've impacted so many different industries i'm i'm so grateful to be a citizen of this country and to be one of the people who are hoping to impact the world and it's universe 2021 hey! <laughs> oh that's a great answer that's a <laughs> that's a that's a great answer i think um 
You know, if I if I can be honest with you, Michael Simone, um, I was going on with my podcast. I started my podcast last year, and I experienced three deaths within January and February. And oh, wow. I, yeah, I've never. <laughs> I've never experienced death. Um, I've been lucky and blessed enough to, you know, to still celebrate my 89th birthday with my grandmother the other day. My mother, who is 60-something uh, the other day, you know, um, had to sneeze on that one so my mother don't beat me. And I'll I've, tell you. I've never you shouldn't tell me. Right? Um, <laughs> my best friend's uh, dad, who was a father figure to me, passed on January 3rd. And I remember that being like the hardest hit ever um, at the beginning of the year, especially when we, I called him, which is a tradition on, on New Year's Day. And we literally say we made it. And everyone in the family has been accounted for on both sides. You know, we call our loved ones and we go, we made it. And we, we make count. Um, and seeing you here and speaking to you and, and seeing how you are still just so positive and you realize that you have a purpose to serve, you know, beyond yourself, um, a much bigger capacity. And that despite losing your mom and the way that you lost your mom could have really just ruined your spirit. I think it could have broken you um, at the core of who you are. I think it could have uprooted the seed that she helped to sow. And you could be a completely different person right now. You could be, uh, Absolutely. you know, you could have, you could have been, just very different, whether it is bitter, whether it is depressed, whether it is a recluse, you could have decided to be something else. And I think um, it is very inspiring just to see you still um, embracing life and, and, and embracing everything that it comes with, which is the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, and still saying, I'm still gonna make it. And I'm still gonna impact people wherever I go, even if how I impact them is in a small way. And I think that is extremely, are commendable and although I know as you continue to do interviews a lot of the focus will be on preparation for Miss Universe and how you're going to use the platform and you're so beautiful on the outside and the, the very cliche questions that we normally get as queens I certainly hope that people will look beyond to see how much you had to dig deep to truly love yourself and to find that inner peace and to still go on in spite of. And I think that to me is one of the most beautiful things about you. And I hope that you will continue to share your story because I think you will be able to impact a lot more um, when you decide to share even more details of um, losing your mom. But I, I, I think I speak on behalf of everyone that, you know, we're lucky to have someone like you who can go between the English and the, the, the Queen's la language and you can go into your patois where you can be very serious about topics, but then not take yourself too seriously. And I think it's very important as a queen to, to be able to balance, to balance all of that. And so my question to you, um, one of my, maybe this is the penultimate one is, um, we've seen a lot of Queens come and go. Um, some have been able to move on into different, you know, spaces and industries um, and have moved away from, you know, the, the spotlight, if you will. Um, others have done their reign and have left. Um, some are remembered, some aren't. Some leave a legacy, some don't. Um, what kind of legacy? And again, I speak, uh, I speak this because, again, it's so difficult for a queen like you to reign in a pandemic where people are so consumed by everything else. Their jobs, job loss, children at home, homeschooling. There's a lot of distraction. What yeah. legacy do you hope to, to leave 
um, when you hand over the crown? So there are two things that I, I want to do. The first is something I'm doing already and won't stop even after I hand off the crown, and that is focusing on mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said, Terry, this is something that's very important to me and I really want to take this as far as I possibly can and get as much support for children as I possibly can. I was speaking to a young girl the other day on Instagram and she was going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I asked her because obviously you can't give the option of therapy to, to everyone. Therapy is expensive. <laughs> and I asked her if she had anyone to talk to, you know, there were any free programs nearby her that she was into. And she told me that she was doing something with, you know, the ministry, some, some kind of free counseling program, but it wasn't working for her because they are so overbooked. And that every time she, and overwhelmed, every time she goes to the, the counseling center, she speaks with a different therapist. And then that, that ends up leaving her have to, having to, re-explain and re-traumatize herself every single time without progress and we're not progress. without progress Correct. these are the things i want to tackle and it's, it's going to be hard now up to may 16th but you know after my ring these are the things that i want to tackle mm-hmm. i want to help people who are falling through the cracks or who are feeling on underloved and undervalued like that young girl that I was speaking to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really want to do something in honor of my mommy. Yes. I'm not so sure yet. I really do want to set up like a scholarship foundation. I know a lot of, you know, the issues that young people have sometimes is wondering when money for certain stuff like school is going to come. Almost from. always finances and access. Right. So, you know, there can never be enough scholarships. And these are, the, these are the kind of things that I want to focus on, just helping young people to have the best possible opportunities that they can. And being a mentor for young girls. I remember when I was younger, I used to want a mentor. You know, even if the girl was like 23, like myself, not so fully sure, but, you know, I can help you, girl. I've, I've at least been 15, so I know what to do. I know what you're going through. You know? Correct. Correct. <laughs> and you know so i want to be a mentor for young girls and do as much as i can in that sphere as well absolutely and secondly i i want to help as much as i can in the miss universe jamaica organization itself and be a mentor and be a big sister and a real pass team to the other girls that will be coming after me iana tico garcia is my past team and she's doing an amazing job in supporting me and helping me and, you know, really uplifting me. I want to be that person for someone else. She has really motivated and inspired me to be that person for the next few and to give them that kind of support. And, and what does that say also about persons who have the idea that pageants are catty? And that women don't support each other or that women are selfish and, you know, um, they don't they don't help at times like these, you know, what, what's your, what's your view on that? Having experienced what you experienced, not only with the girls in your group, but also the, the former queen, Iana Tickle Garcia. Well, pageantry is moving away from, from, you know, all these ideas that we've had of it in the past. People think that pageantry is catchy and people think that it's solely based on beauty and pageantry is looking for so much more because now we are faced with the idea that Beauty is not just a physical thing. It's who you are and how you make other people feel. I can promise you that standards of beauty, they are 
fickle. They will always change. In 1990, they wanted women to look a different way than they wanted now. Back in 1980, they wanted maybe 16 women. No curves are in. 20, 30, 40 years down the line, it might change again. Mm-hmm. Outer beauty does not mean as much as your inner beauty. People will not remember you for the curves and the or the, the, the slim body or the slim thick, whatever. People won't remember you for that as much as they remember you for how you have impacted them and what you have done to give them a positive experience and a positive day or a positive view on life. And so that's what beauty pageants are moving towards. They're moving towards seeing the beauty of the person and picking a woman who doesn't only look good, but makes you feel good. Absolutely. So my experience, I say all that to say that my experience in the Miss Universe Jamaica pageant was absolutely amazing. I had the chance to meet other women who were in the same position as me. And let me tell you, they were very, very warm and helpful I remember once, for some reason, I had brought up speaking about my mother and another contestant, Kimberly, she she comforted me and she told me about her own story and coping with the loss of her own mother. Oh, my. And yeah, that, that, was, that was so powerful for me and so helpful for me in the moment. I remember she literally wiped the tears off my face. And these are the experiences that we are having in pageantry now. This is where we're moving to for pageantry. Also, at the Miss Universe Universe competition, I'm expecting to experience the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yana has been there and Yana has been so supportive to me. So I know that she has been affected by this experience in such a positive way. You pass it on. I know it'll be amazing. Yeah, you just have to pass it on. Absolutely. And um, you said something that that is very, you know, very, very important. And and, and I had shared it with you. that you know you can't receive blessings unless you are a blessing to others you and people call it karma people call it whatever they want to call it but honestly if you're only living for yourself then you're losing out big time and again this is just for persons who i mean they wouldn't have known the story but for me i had told you that uh, the the queens from the the continent african continent their bags didn't come and so they had to go with their shadows to ask other young ladies, competitors, you know, for dresses, uh, because of course events are still going on. You still have to put on your sash. You still mm-hmm. have to represent your country. And I remember Miss Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 Leafa. Uh, we're very good friends. Um, to this day, we're very good friends. She came to my room with the chaperone and she's, you know, the chaperone explained what happened. And I remembered opening up my suitcases and I said, listen, you can have, any gown because Uzuri International had just given me like 20 gowns or you know whatever I wasn't ready you know yeah I had no idea what our itinerary looked like I didn't know how many gowns I would need but I literally told her you can have any gown for the events that we're doing as long as it's not my final gown I said there are my jewelry all my gowns had you know matching accessories and there are my shoes and the only thing she was not able to borrow were my shoes because she was a size bigger and she never, ever forgot it that the night before we're all leaving, you know, we're packing our bags. She visits my room and she brings this beautiful handwoven basket from Namibia. She said her grandmother had done it, had goat skin and all sorts of things. And she said her grandmother made it for her and she, I still have the basket. Her mother told, her grandmother told her to give it to the girl 
who was the most special in her eyes. And she said, if you don't find a girl like that, bring back my basket. And Leafa came with the basket and she said, many girls told us no. Yeah, there were many girls who we went to their rooms and they told us no, even though we knew that there were girls who had more than enough gowns. And she said, I wanted you to have this. And I didn't win, you know, and that's fine. But I think if you go into Miss Universe and if you go into the world thinking that you can serve people, whether they're your competitors or not, but that you have purpose and it can be positive, I promise you the blessings come back 10 times fold. And I can't wait to see you on the stage. I can't wait to see you as you done the, the, the sash that says Jamaica. I can't wait for them to call your name. And I can't wait for you to tell your story and to be vulnerable so that other persons can know that if Michael Simone did it, I can do it too. So I give you the final words. And my last question to you, Michael Simone, is what does redirection or what does rejection Whichever one you want to, to talk about, what does it look like to you? So, you know that saying of when a door closes, a window opens? Mm -hmm. I know sometimes it's, it's hard and sometimes it doesn't seem that way to, to us, you know? And I want to paint the picture that, you know, when my mother died, it was as if I was in a a room and the lights are off and it's night outside and the door is closed but the door just locked and a window is there but the window is very much look close to me and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this is it I, I don't know I can't there is no way I can I can move on from this experience and you know it's 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 you, you sit there and you you allow yourself to feel it and then it's it's done and then the sun starts to come up and you look at the light peeking through the window. The window looks fully open, you know, but it just cracked and you see it. Oh, guys, I'm crying. <laughs> this is your moment and I appreciate your vulnerability. You know, the window is cracked and you see it. It's all right. There is sometimes in your life where things happen and it feels like the window to you. And you don't know how you're going to get up after this. And sometimes you'll be in that dark room and it will be night, but I promise you, day will come and you will see the little crack in the window. You will see the little opportunity, the one person, if it's even the one person to help you get out of that room, lift up the window and get on. You will, and you know, Terry, you said it perfectly. I mean, if I can do it, I had a really tough experience with losing my mother. She died violently because she was killed. So, you know, it was very, very hard for me. And if I can do it, if I can leave that experience and look at the positive side of things and the value of life and know that other people are experiencing the things that I have experienced, and help them through it because I feel like I'm a little further down the road than they are. If I can do that, then you can do it too. I promise you it's so possible. And even though it feels impossible now, and I'm not telling you to do it now, if you want to sit in that room for a little while longer, 
it's still night for you, that's okay. But I promise you, Don will come and you'll find the strength, you'll open the window, you'll go down the road, your opportunity will be there waiting for you. And that's cool. That is redirection to me. That is... That is, that is what it meant for me. You know, as I said, guys, my, my mother died and I joined this universe and I stepped back because I felt like I wasn't ready. And then somehow I ended up in modeling and modeling taught me so many lessons that I've been able to reapply to my Miss Universe Jamaica journey. And I'm so grateful that I've done it now because I'm so much more mature than I was as an emotionally struggling 20-year-old yeah. in 2017. So... Sometimes it might look like you don't really understand why this is happening. It's all so much worth it. The three years down the line when you rejoin the hypothetical Miss Universe Jamaica. Hmm. My darling, hmm. I thank you. It's a somber note, but I think I think it was important for you to say it and to say it in your time. Um, and I believe, I really do believe that a lot of persons' dreams are tied to you. You may not know it. A lot of persons' release, release is tied to you. I think a lot of persons' closure is tied to you more than you will ever know. And I think just by describing and defining redirection and what it means to you, you might have just helped more people than you will ever know. And I think ultimately... That is what you would have wanted. Uh, what was mommy's name so that we may just honor her? Oh my God. Woo, girl. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was mommy's name? Because I, I want to close up by calling her name. What was mommy's name? Oh, don't worry, Michael. We love you. We love you. And I think you're really brave. And you're still beautiful. On my screen, I know I never see nobody can ball and look so beautiful. Because I be balling and looking ugly I tell you you are like looking supermodel while crying and i'm going i would never i could never but you've been an honorable daughter you've been a girl it's, it's... <laughs> so my mother's name was utiline nugent i guess she had a unique name so she was like fine the child was having to Listen, your mother could not have had a basic name to give you a name like Michael Simone. Utilee Nugent did a fan. Uteline. Uteline. Uteline Nugent did a fantastic job with you. And I know that she and your Thank friend... you on behalf of her. Yeah, man. Everybody, everybody's going to be there. And even if we can't go to Florida because COVID is real and we don't want to take no flight, just understand... <laughs> Uh, for persons who would just be meeting you for the first time, um, they can go and they can follow, of course, on Instagram at official, I think it's at official Miss Universe Jamaica. And then you have your own personal page, which is? At Michael Simone. At Michael Simone. And of course, I encourage, um, you know, we have a lot of organizations that are really big on, on mental health and we don't have to do it alone. We can collaborate. And certainly she is an advocate. And, 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 and if you believe that there is strength in numbers, she's always open for collaboration, I am sure. And so, Absolutely. Right. And so on behalf of everyone who's listening, my darling, we, we know that, as you said earlier, the grieving doesn't stop. 
you know, it's it's gonna take forever. Um, and and just know that we will continue to love you. We will continue to pray for you. We will continue to pray for your strength, not just as our queen going to compete May sixteenth, but as a queen who plans to work with children, as a queen who promises to be an advocate, as a queen who promises to give voice to the voiceless, as a queen who, despite her own personal trauma, is deciding to impact others. We know that that's gonna take a lot of strength. And just know that we will be supporting you all the way up to Miss Universe and after that. Thank you, sis. Uh, no, man. No, no, man. We really do. And to, to, to come and say what you say and to, to, to be so transparent, it takes a lot of courage, uh, whether people like to, 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 to know it or not. Um, get, letting go pieces of yourself, especially things that maybe you have not said out loud. You know, you haven't said out loudly or publicly. It takes a lot of courage. Um, uh, and you're just amazing. You're, you're an amazing young lady. And I can't wait to see the legacy that you will leave for generations to come, that my daughter will use you as a point of reference um, years to come. Very proud. Thank you, Mary. Very proud of you. Sorry, say your ball. You look beautiful. <laughs> um, you know, if I share any of the videos, I'll make sure that it's the one with you looking Quaff. Well, I'm wait. not the one who made it stuck. I'm only did. Where, where, right? Where, where? Pat problem? Where, where? <laughs> where, where, where? Where, where? Where, where? My darling, um, guys, uh, that was the beautiful, the lovely, the intelligent, um, and just the amazing Michael Simone Williams, our reigning Miss Universe Jamaica, who is going to head off to Florida shortly. Uh, May 16th, she will be competing, and any kind of support you can throw behind her, oh my goodness, she'll, she'll appreciate it, and I certainly will. I certainly hope that you have enjoyed this episode, and uh, of course, take the time. You can share the hashtag redirection with TK. Um, I always look forward to having you guys listen to the podcast and we certainly hope that this one has touched you in a way that will help impact your life or those of other persons. If you think there is somebody who could definitely benefit from this, feel free to share it and become a part of the tribe and we will see you. Well, maybe not see you, but you know, from a radio standpoint, we will see you next week. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.